This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Gordon Damer Show. This is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Gordon Damer. You can find me on Instagram at Gordon Damer. And you can find me on uh, TikTok at Old Man Radio. But most importantly, you can find me right here on your radio until 6 o'clock tonight. So three big hours, and we got a lot to get into. we got 47 days, I think it is, until the NFL season opens up. I think basically six more weeks. Six more Sundays until NFL football is back. Not the, the preseason stuff. That's nice, too. But, you know, the, the real stuff. Six more Sundays until we get to that. And we'll tackle some jet issues today. We'll t- tackle some giant issues today because I need some help with some things. Some things I just don't understand. Today, wouldn't today be an amazing day for it to be announced that Donovan Mitchell got traded to the Knicks? That would, that would be amazing. Wouldn't that be fantastic? That would be wonderful. That would be wonderful to finally put that to bed because it feels like, doesn't it feel like that that's the way it's going? So why not let, just let's get it out of the way right now. Let's get it done. Let's get it completed already. Dot the I's, cross the T's, whatever you got to do. But of course, it's Saturday. So you know what that means. If you listen to the Gordon Damer show, Saturday, five o'clock, it will be what I learned on TikTok. And I will say this, this week's I actually was starting to do the preparation for this week last week. This very well might be the best edition of what I've learned on TikTok that we've ever done. But that will wait until 5 o'clock because we've got to begin, of course, with the New York Yankees. Because the Yankees are back from the All-Star break, people. And in case you haven't noticed, whew, things have not gone all that well in these last couple of days. You wouldn't think... For a team that was on this record-setting pace, that things could go this poorly this quickly. And, you know, I, I don't think that this is hyperbole to say that. You know, I'm not one of these people that is prone to doom and gloom like so many of you. Oh, my God, you guys just never stop with the gloom and doom and this thing's wrong and that thing's wrong and Joey Gallo and Jameson Tyone and blah, 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 and. You just guys, you never shut up. And it's not just this year. It's every year. Every single year, you guys just doom and gloom the entire season, even though you don't know how things are going to turn out. Nobody knows how things are going to turn out. But this year, even though it's only been a few days since the All-Star break has been over, boy, oh boy, it has not gone well. Second half begins. Yankees get swept in two games in a doubleheader against the Astros. Can't score any runs. Don't approach the games even as if they are as important as it feels like they are. So you lose two games in Houston where you never seem to get any big hits or really any hits at all. Uh, now, you have uh, the best record, but, of course, they are the team to beat. You might have the best record, but they are the team to beat, especially in the American League this year. So, And then, of course, last night, Somehow, as if that were not bad enough, losing two games to the Astros, the doom and gloom, oh my God, the catastrophe that that is for Yankee fans everywhere. Oh, this means October. (laughs) We can't beat them. We can't beat. We can't ever beat the Astros. Well, you won four of six against them. No, that doesn't matter at all. So as bad as losing those two games against the Astros were and the fact that you did not perform the way you wanted, what happened last night is actually far worse. What happened last night is more important than losing two games to the Astros. What happened last night is actually more impactful down the road. Losing games to the Astros in July 
has no real bearing on October. Now, look, if you end up losing best record, okay, fine. But that's not, that's not going to be decided simply by those two games. Losing Michael King for the, the season, the way that they lost Michael King for the season last night, that does impact things. That impacts things immediately, and it impacts things as the regular season goes along and then obviously into the postseason. And, you know, if it were only losing Michael King, you would say, oh, you know, look, injuries happen. That's a big loss. But baseball season's a very long season. Injuries can happen at any point. And um, you'll just kind of, you know, next man up kind of mentality. But the Yankee bullpen, one of the real strengths of the team, one of the real strengths of the organization year in and year out, as deep and as great as it's been, it's been getting chipped away at, right? I mean, they, they lost Chapman for a big period of time. Jonathan Loisega was on the IL for a long period of time. They've both come back. Both have not been nearly as effective as you want. Clay Holmes has had his issues at times, seems to have kind of gotten over those. Although I'll be honest with you, as pronounced as they were in those couple of games against the Reds, it kind of feels like, you know what, I'm going to need a little while before the circle of trust is complete again. But it's not just the bullpen either because the rotation has started to crack. And it started with Luis Severino going down with that injury. And then Jamison Tyone has been, let's be honest, he's been terrible. He's not been good. He's not been the same pitcher he was those first 10 starts. And even guys like Nestor Cortez has not been as good. Now, he's not been, his concern, your concerns about him are not as pronounced as the other two. But you take out that start against the Reds, I think Nestor is averaging under five innings a start in his last six or seven starts. And already kind of up against his max innings for a major league season. So for a good portion of the Yankee fan base who love the gloom and doom, this is their time. This is the time to come alive because now, unlike earlier in the season, when there were not really legitimate things to be all that concerned about in the moment, now you got some things to be concerned about in the moment. This is the time where it is actually concerning. You lose the starter who it looked like at the time was projecting to be your number two starter come a playoff series in Luis Severino. And it's not just that you've lost him for the immediate, you know, if you said, all right, he's going to go on the IL for a week or two, all right, that's not great, but you can deal with it. You don't really know when you're going to get him back. It could be September by the time you see him again. And considering it's an injury that has already sidelined him for a good portion of a season already once in his career and his injury history, anytime he's going to go down with any type of thing that's going to take more than a week or two to, to solve, it's going to be concerning. And now, last night, you go out and lose maybe your most important reliever because as important as the closer is, right, you can't recover from a blown save if he all of a sudden, if Clay Holmes goes sideways, that's big. And getting the final outs, sure, those are the most important ones. But to have that guy who's the multi-inning guy who can come in at any point when the game is on the line, fifth inning, seventh inning, sixth inning, eighth inning, whatever it is, if you're tied in a game, you go to him to keep that game tied so you can finally score a run, that is a major, major loss. Michael King was performing like an all-star this year, even though he did not get elected to the all-star game. So that is a devastating injury and one that the Yankees are going to have to try to figure out. Now, there is some silver linings. They got a good, I mean, basically the rest of the regular season to try to figure this out, right? You don't really think that the Yankees are going to be in trouble in the division. 
Now that best record in in the American League, that's certain, you know, you want to you want to have that in case there is a game 7 against the Astros or a game 7 at the ALCS, you'd always rather have that at home than on the road against the Astros against anybody. But the other silver lining is that this now all happens with a week to go before the trade deadline. And I've been saying this for a while with the series against the Reds before the All-Star break, the struggles you had before the All-Star break, the the series, the two-game doubleheader against the Astros since the All-Star break. If there was ever a time for a team that has been essentially cruising all year to have something show itself as being concerning, this would be the time to do it. If you're looking for ways to motivate the Yankee brain trust front office to make moves before the trade deadline. If everything is going swimmingly the entire time, you'd have to think, well, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a feeling of, hey, why do we need to make any changes? We're, we're winning games against everybody. If they had won five of seven against the Astros, maybe they'd be more likely to say, you know what, we don't need to make any changes. Yeah, there's some good players at the trade deadline, and we'll look, and if it's the right price, yeah, maybe we'll make a deal. But now that you've seen these pronounced problems, especially in terms of of each real aspect of the team, be it the offense, like it was against the Astros, be it the pitching, starting pitching with the injury to Severino, or now the bullpen, the Yankees got some things to address. And if there was ever a time to get it done, this is it. Losing two essential players, losing two games against the team you will almost certainly face in October. And, and, And right now, you'd have to say, you're more confident in the Astros getting to the ALCS than the Yankees getting to the ALCS. So the Yankees need a bullpen arm for sure. They need a starting pitcher, which we've been screaming about for a little while. And you need a bat. And you, you, you've got a week to get this done. you got a week before the trade deadline. Now, a couple of pieces of information today that I found interesting and certainly want to hear from you at 1-800-919-ESPN is, A, Jack Curry tweeted out, I guess it was maybe a couple hours ago now, that the Yankees have reached out to express interest in acquiring Juan Soto. Now, this is according to Jack's tweet. Now, it's a matter of the Nationals telling the Yankees and other teams what they want for a generational talent. It's early in the process. Both sides must determine if there's a match in terms of talent exchange. Uh, Okay, well, you know, the the fact that the Yankees have reached out, I would certainly hope they're reaching (laughs) a generational talent becomes available very rarely. Um, and you know, it was funny that this past week you had the baseball amateur draft and I was wondering like what percentage of guys drafted in the first round ever make the major leagues. And imagine if there was ever a a draft that involved a player that you knew even at that stage or maybe a little bit older than that, you knew already that they were almost certainly going to be a hall of fame player. Because that's what Juan Soto is, and he's not all that much older than the guys who are getting drafted in the in, in the in the baseball amateur draft. So yeah, that's one that's out there. We talked about that last week. We'll talk about it until something eventually happens. And then a little bit after that, Mark Feinsand of MLB Network tweeted out that the Yankees have emerged as serious contenders for Royals outfielder Andrew Benatendi, the former Red Sox. So I guess my question to you is, it's clear, right? We can all kind of agree. Yankees now, with the King injury, certainly need to get a reliever. We've been screaming for a while they need to get somebody in the rotation. And with some of the the, the players that they have at the bottom of the order, 
and how much offense has come back to bite the Yankees come postseason time, you always want to be adding a bat if for no other reason than we all never have to mention the name Joey Gallo ever again. So to the Yankee fans, I would just simply ask, how do you rank them? Is it bat first? Is it starting pitcher first? Is it bullpen arm? How do you rank them? Because it seems pretty clear you need all three. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. So coming up, I'll give you my thoughts on how I would rank them. I'll give you my thoughts on Ben Attendee, if that's the way the Yankees decide to go. We got a lot of stuff to do. We got to get into the Mets, who all of a sudden have their own issue. You know, it's amazing. We spend all this time talking about the Yankees. Yankees are up by 10, 12 games in the division. Mets, all of a sudden that lead is getting a little smaller again. It's getting down again. Down to a game and a half all of a sudden, once again. So we'll get into them too. The football stuff, Donovan Mitchell. We got a lot of stuff to do. Just getting started. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. For a team that is uh, 34, 35 games over 500, whatever it is, with a huge lead in the division that you know, even uh, you know mid-July, that they are going to win the division going away, that they're going to be in the playoffs. The Yankees somehow keep it interesting. And that's the interesting that I'd like. I like the walk-off win interesting. I like the big trade for the superstar interesting. I prefer not having the looking anemic against the team you're almost certainly going to face in the postseason kind of interesting. I don't like that. I don't like the... Um, the injury to your key reliever out of your bullpen when your bullpen is already kind of taking some slings and arrows here. I'm not, I'm not as big a fan of that kind of interesting. So uh, we mentioned there before uh, the break about, you know, we've got a week to go before the trade deadline. Clearly the Yankees are going to be making upgrades. If it's never been more clear, uh, the struggles they've had here over the last couple of weeks make it clear. And the reports from both Jack Curry and uh, Mark Feinsand about possible targets. And if you were going to rank it, I said, how would you rank it? Starting pitcher? Is it, uh, is it a bullpen arm? Is it a bat? Well, to me, if I were going to rank them, I would rank them one Juan Soto. <laughs> it, I, I would have Juan Soto pitch if I had to, because that's how good of a player he is and how much the Yankees should be in on him. That is a generational talent that, do, that type of player does not come along very often. Uh, even for, you know, I, I brought up Miguel Cabrera before. Miguel Cabrera was even a couple of years older. You're getting a couple of years more of a superstar player than the Tigers got of Miguel Cabrera, who they won that trade going away. So that would be the first, like, I, I wouldn't even care about what position you need to improve on most if I can get Juan Soto. That would be my first choice. Now, in terms of how I would rank them, I would probably rank them offense one, pitching two, bullpen three. I have the most, like, if I can't address everything just to make it an interesting conversation, because the Yankees obviously can address everything, they should address everything, but if we have to say you can't get to them all, I probably have the most confidence in over the second half of the year, the Yankees finding ways to patch up that bullpen, even with the loss of Michael King, be it in the minors, be it identifying a reliever on another team, 
that is not maybe a high leverage guy, but something that they see that they feel like that they can tweak in a way where they can get valuable innings out of it. It seems like even in years where they have not had a need for bullpen, Brian Cashman, the Yankee front office, identifies guys and makes trades that at the time you might not be thinking, you know, like when Clay Holmes got traded to the Yankees, I don't think anybody's like, oh my God, the Yankees got Clay Holmes. But it's actually turned out to be a sensational deal for them because they identified something and an undervalued resource on another team. So that one, I think I'm the most confident that the Yankees will be able to figure out a way. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to see uh, Araldis Chapman in big spots. I keep here, you know, Aaron Boone and his endless optimism. Oh, you know, we see good things. There cannot be a good... Even if tonight... Araldis Chapman started throwing 100 miles an hour and 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 looking dominant again, looking like that bully at the back end of the uh, at the back end of the bullpen. I don't think that he, I can ever really trust him because to me he's suspect. He's suspect in the big spot. There's more than enough examples of it with the Yankees outside of the Yankees that I'm never going to trust that guy in a big spot ever again. Burn me once, burn me twice, burn me three. I mean, come on, how many times do I have? And that's even when he was pitching well. He's not even doing that now. So I don't want to see him anymore, but I still have confidence the Yankees will be able to figure out a way um, to go out and, and take care of that. To me, the offense is always the biggest concern come the postseason because I've seen it too many times. I'm not telling you that pitching isn't a concern. I'm not saying that if you can't go out and get a Luis Castillo, don't do it because you have to be all in on, on Juan Soto. I'm confident that Luis Castillo will get traded before the trade deadline. I'm not so. I know everybody who who's in the game thinks that the the Nationals are going to find this deal. Doesn't that feel kind of hard to believe that they're going to find this deal in the next week for a generational talent? Boy, you better be. If you're the Nationals, you got to be darn sure that this is not just a great deal that you're getting. That it's the best deal that you're getting. That by holding out, you're not going to get a better deal by waiting to the winner and allowing the teams to kind of think this over and come to their senses and realize that, yes, we should be in on this too. Now, maybe the fact that you get three pennant races out of them, that, that'll give them, but I can't imagine that, that teams are going to say, well, you know what, we're only getting two pennant races out of this generational talent as opposed to three, so we're not going to be willing to offer as much. I think you have to allow that feeding frenzy to really take hold, and maybe that feeding frenzy is there right now, but boy, that feels like a big piece to be moving here with a week to go, and it was only last week that it was mentioned that maybe the Nationals have known for a while that this is the way they were going to go before the trade deadline this year, but it seems like that's a big piece to get moving here uh, before the trade deadline. So I'd be surprised if he goes anywhere. Luis Castillo, that one I think seems like it's clear. Now, as far as Benatendi is concerned, and I know a lot of Yankee fans like Andrew Benatendi because, you know, maybe they saw him with the Red Sox or he's that left-handed bat or he's got a high batting average. Um, here's the deal. Andrew Benatendi has played enough to kind of know what kind of player he is. And over the course of his career, he's, he's an above average player. He's not, he's not, he's not bad. I'm not saying that I wouldn't take him over Joey Gallo. I would take just about anything over Joey Gallo. But if you're saying that that's the move that you're making to improve the offense, well, then I, I, I think that there's better options. And it always depends on what are the other options. It's hard for me to believe even a guy who's an above-average player who's having an above-average year for him, that that would be the, the big improvement that we're looking for from this offense. And I guess it really kind of depends on how much you think that the, uh, the offense needs to improve. The Yankees clearly, if, if that's the route that they go, 
by adding Andrew Benatendi for, you know, I would not think it's going to be an exorbitant price. What you're saying is, well, we just have to, we, the offense just needs a little tweak. And the offense during the regular season, I can understand that because they are, I think they're still leading baseball in terms of runs scored, in terms of home runs, all those different categories. But we've seen that they've done well in the regular season before, but it's about the postseason score, getting that big hit in the postseason. And to me, I think you can do better than Andrew Benatendi. And the guy that, you know, I would mention as one of them, not just, uh, well, obviously Juan Soto would be one, but Josh Bell. I, I know that that's a guy that's been getting mentioned uh, as a Met because, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, if you need a DH, he's can certainly DH, and he's not really an outfielder, although he has played some outfield in the past. Um, he's a better hitter. He has more power. He's a switch hitter. He's got no pronounced dips in performance, either left-handed or right-hander. Now, I'll tell you, he doesn't really look like an outfielder. He has played some of it. But if he's a, if he's a DH and a first baseman, so be it. You, you know, to me, it's about getting the best player you can and then figuring out the details later. And what I don't want to see here from the Yankees, and I feel like this is the route that they'll go, they'll go with the best deal that they can make as opposed to the best player they can get. The best deal you can make is, well, we didn't really have to give up all that much. You take a look at what he's done as opposed to what our other options are. No, I want the big swing. I want the big star. I want the big piece because that's, you, that's the goal. If we're all saying we know what the end goal is, right? The end goal is to win the World Series. If you're writing that story and that's the finish line, how do you get there? What's the best path forward? Is it just simply to improve on the margins or is it to go for the big piece? And to me, it should be, I'm swinging for the big piece. Now, I will live with Ben Attendee if it means you're also getting Castillo. Now, if you're telling me I can get Castillo and Benatendi, I can improve the rotation and improve the offense slightly, okay, I guess I can live with it. But that's not the route. That's not, that, that, that would not be what I would be going into it looking for. I'd be looking for bigger pieces than that because we all can admit, right, 100% of people can agree that if the Yankees don't win the World Series this year, the season is a failure. So if I know that's the, the end goal, how do I get there? I think I get there by adding the biggest pieces that I can. And to me, Andrew Benatendi is a nice piece, but it's not really high up on the list of best pieces I can add. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. All right, let's get uh, some phone calls involved here. We'll go out to uh, Subi is in Midtown. Subi, first up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon. I have a feeling the teams aren't really willing to help out the Yankees this year, even for those big trades. I know the prospects being mentioned are big names, but I have a feeling they want more. So, I thought I think Cashman can make some moves like for the White Sox who are like out of the playoff race. Like Craig Crimble would be good for the bullpen. Even Arizona has the guys like Ian Kennedy, Melanson. Then they can get Peralta in left field. I think those moves are more logical. I don't know if even they want those teams that you were mentioning, the Nationals or the Reds. I think they they want more than even those top prospects, which is crazy. But I think that's just the normal situation right now. Well, look, I look, Subi, I appreciate that. Um, and maybe they want to hold up the Yankees. Uh, so, uh, look, so be it. They, they got what you need, <laughs> right? Uh, supply and demand. They got what you need. So if you have to overpay, you know, I, I'm just tired of hearing, like, I don't understand what overpay means, like in terms of prospects. I, I, I'm old enough that I've heard about Yankee prospects forever. And they're always going to be, oh, my God, you can't give up this one. You know, there was a time you can't give up Phil Hughes. You can't give up uh, Jesus Montero. Can't give up uh, <laughs> Eric Duncan or, or uh, Drew Henson. 
Oh, you don't, you don't want to give up Chance Adams. Remember Chance Adams? Estevan Florial, he's going to be amazing. Even guys who came up to the majors and did a little something, like Greg Bird, right? Greg Bird or Nick Johnson or, or Kevin Moss back in the day. At the end of the day, when it comes to Soto, like how many guys in the Hall of Fame are went into the Hall of Fame as Yankees? Like if you go get Juan Soto, barring some catastrophe of injury or something along those lines, something we, we all can't foresee, that guy is on a Hall of Fame track. He's 23 years old, and you could already say that with a high degree of certainty. In the entire history of the Yankees, there's probably like 25 guys who have gone into the Hall of Fame as Yankees. Not just that played at one point as a Yankee. This, is a, this would be like whatever it is, 25, 26, 27. He would be another one. Almost certainly he will go into the Hall of Fame. And whoever gets him next, he'll be going in probably wearing that hat. And you have a chance to add him to a team that we're all in agreement, right? Everybody's in agreement. This is the, the, you have to win the World Series this year. Otherwise, the year is a failure. So if I can only add one piece, I want it to be a big piece, man. I want it to be a big piece. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up. We'll get into the Mets a little bit with the move that they made yesterday. A little surprising. Uh, So we'll touch on that coming up. Some football stuff. Lots to do. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. I wasn't far off. 24 players, managers, and executives. There's a total of 61 players, managers, and executives in the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum, 24 of which are inducted as Yankees. So not, you know, guys who played on the Yankees at some point. Like Dave Winfield played on the Yankees. He's a Hall of Famer, but he did not go in as a Yankee. Um, But there are 24 who are inducted as Yankees. So you would think, like, wherever Juan Soto winds up next, considering that you're going to have – unless he – I guess there's the the scenario where he might end up somewhere as, like, a rental for a year or two because of the the way that, that, uh, you know, it's going to be a couple of years before he gets to free agency. I guess that is a possibility. But you'd think that overwhelming odds are if he goes wherever he goes next, he's going to be there for the bulk of his career. And if he has a Hall of Fame career, he's probably going to go into the Hall of Fame under that team's hat, under that team's banner, right? And that's why I would say more so than anything more than the Yankees need to add, that would be the guy that um, they should be looking at. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, and, and and I'd also be kind of surprised if, as I said, like if it happens before the trip, like. If you're the Nationals, it's all about getting the best haul back. And I just don't know if the Yankees, like the tweet from Jack Curry was, yes, they're looking, they're talking. Um, but are they really are they really going to be willing to do this at this point? Or is there the better chance that that happens in the offseason, right? Yankees are having this unbelievable year. And while there are some cracks right now, there's some issues to address, are they willing to take that big swing or would they be more likely to take that big swing after the season? Because if after the season you're talking, like if the Yankees end up not bringing back Aaron Judge, you'd have to think that the Yankees will be willing to give up just about anything and everything to get Juan Soto. 
So if you're the Nationals, do you wait a little while? You know, do you go past this trade deadline, allow the market to kind of stabilize itself a little bit so that people aren't caught off guard? Maybe there's more desperation down the road as opposed to right now. You would think that if there were desperation for a team to land Juan Soto, things would feel like they would have been making more progress in the last week. Now, maybe those, that progress is happening behind the scenes. And sometimes the time that the deal comes about is at the when it seems like nothing's really going on. All of a sudden, out of the blue, there's that tweet. Juan Soto is going bang to here or to there. But I would just think that if you're the Nationals trying to get back the biggest haul for this generational talent, that you're going to want to wait and make sure that you have uh, as many uh, teams in the bidding. And I don't know, would the Yankees be in the bidding right now? I'm not sure. I, I, it's, you know, they're talking, but I would hope they would. It's almost like when there's the draft. Oh, this team is, is looking at these prospects. Well, I'd, I'd like to think they're looking at all the prospects. I think that's kind of the point of the draft. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. A couple of things on the Mets. A, um, it seems like, uh, you know, with Jacob deGrom, another rehab start, no issues there, even after the issues that he had earlier in the week. Um, the, the one thing, and look, at this point, it's all about, like, call me when you're ready, right? Like, let, let me know when he's ready to go. I understand that he can do all these rehab starts and everything looks great and he's striking out 10 and he's doing this and he's doing that. Yes, great. Let me know when you're ready to go. Let me know when you're ready. Because it just kind of feels like it's kind of in a holding pattern right now. And at some point, like, there's a balance between... You want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence so that he's healthy and he, when he gets back, he stays back. But at this point, with the amount of time that he's missed, it's always going to be kind of a risk. It's always going to – like nobody knows how this thing is going to play out. Even all the doctors and all the specialists that you can have, when this guy has missed this much time with an injury that he suffered back in March after missing time last year with three separate things – I think at some point you just got to have to, you know, maybe another rehab start and then you throw out there, throw them out there and, and kind of hope for the best. Now, I do, I'm a little concerned about, like I saw one, I can't, maybe it was Newsday. I'm not sure where I saw it about, well, DeGrom will know when he's ready. Well, that's kind of the approach they took last year. Like, oh, he, he knows his body better than anybody else. And that didn't really work out all that well. He had three separate times where he had to miss time because of three separate injuries. So that would be the, the one concern there. But at this point, I think you kind of, you know, if it's another rehab start, if it's not another rehab start, if it's a tune-up someplace, whatever, I think at this point you just got to kind of see him back on a major league mound and then you just cross your fingers and hope for the best. And, and, and nobody, look, w when the story is done, right, and the season is over, either the Mets have won the World Series and he has pitched just like Jacob deGrom or the complete opposite has happened, people will make it out like, well, this was always the way it was going to go. Nobody knows how it's going to go. Nobody knows how it's going to go. There's just too much risk there. But at this point, I think if you're the Mets, you got to kind of find out, right? Like you're up against the trade deadline. He's been out for this period of time. He's had all these rehab starts. Everything has kind of gone well. Yes, there's been little blips here and there, but we're kind of running out of road, aren't you? I mean, we're already at the end of July. We're almost at the start of August. At some point, I think you just got to have to trust that he is going to stay healthy. And if he doesn't, well, then there was nothing. If he, if he comes back and he ends up getting hurt, there was nothing you could do to keep him healthy. Like keeping him out for another two, three weeks, a month, whatever, starting him in October, there's just no way you're going to be able to keep him healthy. If, if he can't get healthy at this point and stay healthy for the rest of the season, I just think that there was nothing you really could do. You're kind of, it was kind of just doomed to go that way, I think.
Uh, the other thing, Mets make that trade uh, yesterday. They get Daniel Vogel back, uh, a guy who just absolutely crushes righties. Uh, very pronounced splits uh, against righties or against lefties. Uh, righties, he's basically uh, an all-star. Against lefties, he's, he's basically like a minor leaguer. Um, against righties, 260, 365, 532 slugging, so he hammers them. Uh, against lefties, 141, 267, 156. So um, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a platoon guy, right? Um, and, and look, if this is a bat off the bench, to add at this point, that, that's fine, right? A situational, as I said, there's a definite situation where that guy just absolutely rakes. If this is the move to add a bat to the line, that that cannot possibly be that, right? Because that's way too under... For, for the names that have been mentioned, and to hear Met fans talk about Steve Cohen and the, and the front office, how they're going to add this and they're going to add that. They almost sound like uh, Spalding from Caddyshack. I want a hot dog and I want a hamburger. I want a cheeseburger. I want a milkshake. We're going to add all these different things. So, look, if Daniel Vogelback is um, just the first piece and a, and a situational piece at that and not really a guy who's going to be in the starting lineup every single day because he's just a, a guy that just hammers righties. But if that's, your, if that's your upgrade at DH, I have to say that's a little underwhelming. A little underwhelming. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Let's go back to the phones here. Ray is in Fairview. Ray, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, how are you? Hey, Ray, what's going on, pal? Okay, I got this offer for you. You are the Nationals and the Yankees, okay? Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna offer you Anthony Volpe, which is the number one prospect. Right, sure, of course. Heard about I'm gonna, him a lot. Okay, Austin Wells, which is uh-huh. the catcher, number four. Right. I'm going to offer you Trey Sweeney, shortstop, number six. Right. Prospects. So you're saying three Hayden. of the top five prospects in the system. Yes. Okay. Now I'm offering you number six, which is Trey Sweeney. Right. I'm going to offer you Lewis Hill, which is number nine, and Everson okay. Ferreira, right. which is the number ten uh-huh. prospect, plus Miguel Andujar for Soto. Well, I'm the I'm the like I'm a Yankee fan, Ray. So I'd be lying to you if I didn't say uh, yes to that. Uh, I don't know that it's going to take that much. I think you probably have to give whoever ends up getting him probably will give up less than five of the top prospects in their system, uh, mainly mm-hmm. because the team that gets him probably will be taking back Patrick Corbin's contract in the process too. Uh, and and again. Like, I don't blame, you know, you're saying it from, uh, you know, from the Nationals' point of view. The Nationals are right to shoot for the moon here. They should be shooting for the moon. But it doesn't feel yep. like there's there that there is a, a feeding frenzy at this point. At least that's not the way it's being portrayed from the guys who are in the know in Major League Baseball uh, media. Yeah, um, I understand that part. But the thing is, if the Nationals right now are resetting, the resetting, yep. uh, they let go of, of Harper before um, the uh, Superman retires. Strasburg, we still don't know what's wrong with him. I think they want to reset. They want they want to bring down the salary, uh, the team salary right now. Yeah. I think uh, I know it's a haul because I'm just basing what you said based on a haul. But at the same time, it will give it will give the Nationals the reset button. It will give the Yankees a, like you said before, a Hall of Famer. You know, you know, on the way to become a Hall of Famer, twenty-three year old left-hander who could who could take advantage of that right field porch. 
you need someone at least this year to be probably third in the lineup, you know, after judge, before Adam. Yeah. You need no, to- look, Ray, you do not have to uh, sell me on uh, Juan Soto. I understand that, and I appreciate the phone call. Uh, yeah, look, in terms of prospects, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm willing to give up anything and everything. Now, I'm not, I, I w- not going to give up everything in the process. You know, it, it, it's not about um, the Yankees making sure that they give up everything in their farm system. They just have to beat the best offer. Uh, and, and, and you would think that the Nationals have, have kind of thought about this for a while, so maybe they have – names already in mind it would be surprising to me if the Yankees all of a sudden took the top five prospects that are listed in their system and all of a sudden just gave those guys up for Juan Soto but if that's what the Nationals want you know what so be it so be it I've heard I'll tell you right now the top five prospects in the Yankees organization whether none of them will have the careers of Juan Soto I feel confident in saying that so if that's what it ends up taking to get Juan Soto absolutely because to me that that one move improves the Yankees' odds of winning the World Series more than any other move. And if we're all in agreement that that's the goal this year, then that's the type of move you should be looking to make. That's the, now, the, the one thing for the Nationals, and it, it's kind of been all over the map, what are the Nationals looking to do? Are they looking to just clear salary like that of Patrick Corbin? That's possible. Uh, if that's the case, well, then you're not going to get as many great prospects back if, you're, if, the, if your main goal is to to alleviate the salary as well. Is it to find those guys in, you know, to get a bunch of prospects that are maybe a little further away from the major leagues? That's what I thought when the, the initial report came last week. But it seems like, no, the Nationals want more ready-made major league talent, and that's why in some reports it seems like that uh, that um, that um, Glaber Torres is a name that's kind of popped up a little bit. So, you know, it, it all depends – you have to find out if if there's a match, right? First, and then you can figure out the details later. Like what 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 are we talking in terms of what the offer is? But I, I find it very hard to believe with the resources the Yankees have, with the farm system that the Yankees have, that they can't figure out a way to make the figure it out, make it work, get it done. There's no excuses. There's you know for all the criticism the Yankees get in the course of the season. And it's sometimes it's fair, a lot of, especially during the regular season, a lot of it is just absolutely ridiculous. If the Yankees go through this trade deadline without making significant upgrades to a team where we all agree the goal is the goal, well, then Brian Cashman will be getting all the criticism and it'll all be justified. All be justified. This is the Gordon Damer Show. Here's the que- the uh, tweet. The tweet? On 98.7 ESPN. Uh, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. And uh, we will get into the Knicks here uh, and Donovan Mitchell because, as I mentioned before, you know it's close, people. Nothing, nothing so far as we know has changed today. But you know it's close because you have seen a reemergence of the verified Nick haters. Oh, they're getting, they're getting concerned. And it's a pro- And what a shock. What a shock it is. The verified Nick haters don't like the idea of the Knicks getting Donovan Mitchell. And of course, if the deal falls through and Donovan Mitchell goes to Miami or Brooklyn or wherever else, if that does happen, the verified Nick haters will also not like that from a Nick point of view. They will not like that from a Nick point of view. It's strange. It's almost as if no matter what involves the Knicks, 
they don't like. But, you know, I was just thinking in my brain about uh, the Yankees and all these different scenarios with Juan Soto and are you willing to give up this guy? I would think the first prospect that would almost certainly get moved in this kind of deal would either be one of the shortstops and or Jason Dominguez. But let's say that Jason, let's say it's Jason Dominguez, right? Because there's been a lot written about him. He hit the home run of the Futures game. He's 19 right now. So he's not, I think he's, at, what did he just move up to double A? He's not major league ready yet. Maybe in a year or two, he turns out to be. But let's just imagine that Jason Dominguez turns out to be the superstar that everybody thinks that he could be. Let's say whatever the top level of his projections are, he hits those and then some. And if he does that, let's say that he's relatively close to where Juan Soto is as a player, which is a real, I mean, that's a real reach to think that anybody's, there's going to be very few people over the next 10 years that get to that level, right? He's a, Juan Soto's already on a Hall of Fame track. So to say that Jason Dominguez is going to be on a Hall of Fame track, you know, at the age of 24, 25, whenever he hits free agency, uh, that's, a, that's a bit of a stretch. But let's say he does. It's been pretty well documented that the Nationals are not able to keep anybody. So whatever contract, what do you think that's going to cost? If the, if the Nationals are not willing to meet the, the, the price tag for Juan Soto, even though Juan Soto had a major hand in them winning the World Series, do you think that they're going to be willing to meet the, 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 whatever the payroll demands are? It seems pretty well established right now that the Nationals aren't willing to meet the, the most exorbitant demands of star players on their own teams, or at least the ones that you know have gotten away in terms of hitters, be it Bryce Harper, be it uh, fairly soon here, it looks like Juan Soto. Now, they, have been, they were able to sign Strasburg, but that one also is not really – I mean, they won a World Series, so you can't say it didn't work out at all, but, I mean, that guy's been hurt constantly. And uh, if they had to do that contract over again, maybe that's the one that they end up passing on. Maybe that's the one that they decide not to, to go full bore on. So I just say, like, if Jason Dominguez or, or whatever player from your favorite team goes to the Nationals, if your team is able to sign Juan Soto, you would think that, you know, five years down the road, whenever the, the, that player becomes a free agent, uh, history has shown you the Nationals are probably not going to sign him. That's for sure. And to think, again, you know, for, for Soto to be willing to turn down almost half a billion dollars, just say absolutely not. Not like, well, let me think about it. No, absolute hard no. Uh, that tells you uh, that uh, I can't imagine not liking playing a place that much. <laughs> that would be like, absolutely not. Not like, well, let us, let us come with a counteroffer. We have a counteroffer for you. No, it was just absolutely not. Interesting, interesting. All right, so let's get into the next 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Because the, the, everything with Donovan Mitchell kind of seems like at a standstill right now. But I think that the word that comes to mind, and it's the one that I brought up with Larry during the week and other people have brought it up, it just kind of feels like this is, it, it's almost like inevitable, right? Like eventually Donovan Mitchell is going to wind up uh, with the Knicks. And I guess if that is the end point, if that is the way it's going to end up, you're probably better off letting it happen further in the future than the right now because you would think that the, the sooner it happens the chances are greater that the Knicks have overpaid because at this point in the story since the, the story came out that Donovan Mitchell was going to get moved by the Jazz it, it feels like the first team that has been mentioned has been the Knicks now usually in the news cycle it would be that at this point like a couple of weeks later there would be other teams that would be getting thrown out there as possibilities. 
right? You got you to gotta feed the news cycle somehow. You can't just keep saying Nick's Donovan Mitchell, Nick's Don. Well, I am, but, you know, uh, other people, you know, actual newsmakers, they're not going to just keep saying, well, no, nothing new, nothing new. They would, they would be looking at other teams. Are other teams going to get involved? Is it going to be the Heat? Is it going to be the, the Nets, whoever, the, 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 the Rockets? I don't know, whoever. Um, but you really haven't heard any other teams getting involved for, for Donovan Mitchell. There's not been any real talk of anybody else trumping the – well, the Knicks are really going to have to pay through the nose because these three other teams are interested. And it doesn't really feel like that there's been that market developed for, for Donovan Mitchell, and maybe part of that is – is because those other teams realize that between what they're wanting, the, 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 what they're going to have to give up in a trade for him for the Jazz are going to want, and plus Mitchell's pretty, it seems like pretty clear desire to only go to select teams, it, it just feels like it's inevitable that that is, um, is where it's going to end up. And it's kind of surprising that that team has not... Now, now, we have not gotten to the point where the Jazz have floated out the old Nets gag about, well, we could just start the season with Donovan Mitchell. We haven't gotten to that point yet, but I would say another week or so, if nothing's percolating and there's no, if the Jazz don't have any real um, buyer's market for, for, um, for Donovan Mitchell, it doesn't seem like they have a whole lot of leverage in this situation. Now, they can wait some time because we're not, we're not close to training camp or anything like that. But the fact that I feel like past Nick regimes would have already blinked and given the Jazz everything that they would have wanted. Now, we don't know until a trade is made. If the Knicks do make a trade here somewhere down the road, maybe it will turn out that they blinked and they gave up you know, way more than they probably should have. But the fact that they have not made the deal as of yet, but it still kind of feels like that's the direction that it's headed, I don't know. It kind of makes me feel good as a Knicks fan. And um, I think most Nick fans should feel good because this is this is the guy that you're kind of been targeting, right? Like, yes, it would be great if the Knicks could get one of the top five players in the sport. That would be amazing. And I love to hear the criticism of the Knicks in their pursuit of Donovan Mitchell. Well, if you get Donovan Mitchell, does that make you a championship contender? There's no guy in the sport that would singularly make the Knicks a championship contender. Three years ago, they were winning 20 games. It's not simply about going from zero to 100. In, you know, they're not trying to go up the entire staircase in two steps. It sometimes takes you a little bit longer than that. But you have definitely seen already the reemerge, and this is going to happen. If it does turn out that the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell, here's what's going to end up happening. If the Knicks get him, it will be what a mistake. Same old Knicks doing the same old moves, they gave up the farm. They're not a championship-level team. What a joke. They panicked. Look at the farm that the Utah Jazz got back. And you can identify a lot of these people because they're the same people that told you that the Knicks made this tremendous mistake by giving up Kristaps uh, Porzingis. A lot of the same people. But let's say that the Knicks don't get Donovan. Let's say in the next week something happens and the, and the Heat all of a sudden are able to make a deal for Donovan Mitchell. Those same people who would have at one point said the Knicks gave up the farm, what a joke, what a mistake, they will be the same exact people who will tell you what a mistake the Knicks made by not getting Donovan Mitchell. This is a guy from New York. He wants to go home and play at home. When was the last time you did anything good with your draft picks anyway? 
This is why the Knicks are a joke. And they got two short guards. I, I mean, it's ama- it doesn't matter what the Knicks end up doing. The, the verified Nick Hater will always have an issue with it. Always have an issue with it. Verified Knicks Hater. Oh, they're out there, people. You have to. I'm, I'm telling you right now. We've called them out by name before. We'll, we'll avoid that right now. We'll wait until the trade actually happens. But, and the funny thing is, is those people at this moment in time, because it looks like the Knicks are going to trade for Donovan Mitchell, they are, I guess they were, I, like, I would always like to add, like, what would you do? Like, okay, what's the path forward for the Knicks? They missed the play-in game by six games last year. What would be your course of action? I guess they would say that you, you like, draft and develop and you just wait it out as if they wouldn't be criticizing the Knicks for not improving it. Well, what have you done to improve your team this offseason? You're just going to wait for these guys to develop. You're drafting in the mid-teens. Well, how can you be sure that any of these guys are ever going to dra- develop into a talent like Donovan Mitchell? I'm sure they would. If the Knicks just stood pat, just kept their draft picks, Every single year, continued to win 35 to 38 games. Basically never were anything close to an actual playoff team. A team that never contended to win a playoff series at any point. But they continued to draft every single year. Just kept picking the same guys every single year. I'm sure they wouldn't have any issues with that at all. Any issues with that at all. And the main criticism that you'll hear is, does this make the Knicks title contenders? Again, tell me the guy that the Knicks can go out and get that would make them title contenders at this point. At this point, there is none. And I would just simply say, is this the final year of the NBA? Is this the, is this the last chance anyone has to win an NBA title? Because it seems like the verified Nick haters of the world, that's the way they're approaching it. Like, unless you are going to be good enough to win a championship right now, no move is going to measure up to their, their specifications. This is not the last chance. This is a building process. And again, three years ago, the Knicks were winning like 20 games. Back then, they were an embarrassment. Back then, they were a punch, you know, the, the, the punching bag of the league, the laughing stock of the league. At this point, you first, I think, have to kind of develop some credibility. And I think the way you do that is by getting some better players. And there's no, nobody, even the most verified Nick hater could not make the argument that Donovan Mitchell is better than any player the Knicks have had in a very long time. He's a better guard than they've had in a very long time. It would be one thing if you're saying you're giving up everything to go get him. We don't, I mean, what, what are we giving up to go get him? Can we at least, it seems like the reports are that, Don, that, um, that R.J. Barrett won't even be included with the deal. It seems like it's going to be a bunch of picks and, you know, some young players on the team. Maybe an Obi Toppin, maybe a Grimes, maybe McBride. I I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But it it would seem like that's the the haul that they're going to give back. I don't know that necessarily that would be what I would consider the farm. Giving up the farm for a, a, a player like Donovan Mitchell, who, again, instantly makes you better. No question is the best player the Knicks have on their current roster or have had in a very long time. In a very long time. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get your phone calls on the Knicks. 
We'll get into some more baseball stuff. Lots of stuff to do. Five o'clock, of course. It is what I learned on TikTok. It's all right here on 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. One of the criticisms of the Knicks pursuing Donovan Mitchell. Well, you need two superstars to win big in the NBA. Well, can we get one superstar first? Can we get one superstar first? And I don't know, getting a 25-year-old three-time All-Star who still has room to grow seems like that would be, I don't know, it's hard for me to envision how you would criticize that unless somehow the Knicks are just getting absolutely taken to the cleaners. They're giving up every young player and every draft pick they have from now until kingdom come. If that turns out to be the game, again, it it comes down to price tag. If that turns out to be the price tag, well, then, okay, fine. Then we will criticize. But people criticizing the Knicks' pursuit of Donovan Mitchell. Uh, yeah, that's a strange one to me. Like, if you're already saying, like, no, the Knicks don't need to go after him. They should just keep waiting. Waiting for someone else. Like, how long have they waited for anyone to be interested in them to begin with? And now here's somebody from New York who looks like every time I look up, there's something, he's doing something here in New York. He's going to Brooklyn Cyclones games. There's bobbleheads. There's this thing. There's that. I'm waiting for the guys who used to fly the banners over the jet games to to having Donovan Mitchell signs trailing behind the plane or billboards or something else. It just seems very strange that that would be the the road. No, Knicks absolutely should not pursue Donovan Mitchell. Well, what if they can get him for a couple of protected picks and a couple of their own picks and a couple of players that are on the team that aren't really, you know, are promising but uh, are not really anywhere close to the level of Donovan Mitchell? No, he shouldn't do that. Shouldn't do that. Of course not. It's crazy. Just keep doing the same things we've been doing. I'm sure that that will not get criticized at all. I'm sure. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Spike is in St. Pete. Spike, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Well, this is uh, good to talk to you, first of all, and it's going to go full circle because I understand you and Larry are doing mornings, so uh, it'll take yeah. me back to when, when you and I first started talking, which I uh, enjoyed. I always enjoy talking to you, and, and you just hit everything right on the, on the numbers here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you in 45 seconds, the, and we've discussed this at night, but it's different audiences coming in and out. So the freshman and sophomore classes were certainly better than what would be the junior classes. So in other words, uh, quickly and Obi uh, arguably are better uh, than, than the Nickel Kings and the Kevin Knoxes. So we've gotten out of that quagmire of crap. And now it seems like uh, whatever happened with McBride last year, I heard there was something in, in his locker room. But Grimes, he looks like a, a tenacious guy. Everyone's a little smaller except for Grimes in the backcourt. The whole league's gone a little smaller. You made a great point, Gordon, that this would be the best player, because I'm pulling out Randall's seventh best player in the NBA. As as we fooled us all, he got about half the money a max contract would give him. We all got duped, and he will never go back to that level again because Atlanta exposed him. You with me so far? I'm with you so far. Okay. So we don't need – there's not one player. There's probably not – I know you're sitting down – Two players that make us a contender. So let's at least get one. I think that makes sense. I really do. So if we go small, the league is going small where a guy like uh, RJ, first of all, they don't want RJ because they're going to have to pay him. He's certainly increased his level of play. He's a hard worker. He's a likable guy. There's some flaws in this game, but we're on the right path. That's all you, I, Larry, and Buddha, and everyone. We just stay in the lane another year. 
I don't want to go back to 17 and whatever, you know? Right. Just well, you if you were, yeah, Spike, if you were going to go back to that, and Spike, thanks for the phone call. If you are going to go back to that, you would have done that already, right? Like when you go the first year and you bring in Tom Thibodeau, tanking is out. The idea that you're going to lose for draft picks and all that type of stuff, that's already out the door. And what was what did everybody agree? It's always funny to me. Like something will happen, and the consensus opinion, everybody pretty much agrees that that is 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 the truth. That is the the, the way that things should should go. And then somewhere along the lines, all of a sudden it changes. And I'm still sitting here saying, wait a second. I thought we all agreed on this. When the Knicks lost the series to the Hawks in the first round of the playoffs two years ago, what did we all say? Julius Randle can't be the best player on a playoff-type team, right? Like, at best, he's a number two, probably a number three, right? Didn't we all agree on that? Didn't we all say that? Well, if that's still true, and I think it's still true, Again, you can't go and look to become a championship contender when you're winning 37 games the year before and missing the play-in tournament by six games. There's, there's, you know, David Blaine could be the GM. He's not going to be able to pull that one off. But if that's still true, that, 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 that Julius Randle should probably be the third best player on a playoff-type team, well, I don't know. Donovan Mitchell seems like he could be the best player. Maybe not on a championship team, but certainly on a playoff contending team. And I think that that has to be the first step the Knicks are taking. Again, in the 2019-2020, um, in, in, in the Knicks won 21 games. The year before that, they won 17. If you're saying that this is a move that makes them look like the same old thing, I, I, I don't see how you can say that when they... This is not 15 years ago. This is not 10 years ago that they were losing like this. This was just a couple of years ago that they were losing two-thirds of their games. Now, I get it. Last year was a great disappointment. It was a huge step back. And I'm not telling you that every single move that this new regime has made that I fell in love with. But this one seems to me to be um, one that you should absolutely be willing to pursue. Like, you, you got all these assets not to use all these assets. Like there was never a part of the plan that anyone seriously thought that the Knicks were compiling all these draft picks to use all these draft picks. It was always going to be to stockpile assets to when there becomes a disgruntled superstar someplace to be able to put that package together to go land that disgruntled superstar. I don't know if Donovan Mitchell's a superstar yet, but he's certainly a star. He's an all-star player, a multiple-time all-star player. This is not just a one-and-done type of thing. This is not just, he's oh, we had it one year, he did this amazing stuff. No, he's pretty consistent in terms of his ability, his talent, his production. And if, if the Knicks aren't in the market to go get that player, a guy who instantly upgrades them in terms of the talent base overall, when, again, you're never going to use all these draft picks, all these young kids that they have stockpiled here, they're not all going to play and become stars in the league or play for the Knicks. It just seems like a, a, a huge um, – that, that, I mean, it's the reason why I came up with uh, the verified Nick hater. If this is the move that your adamant shows the Knicks are just doing the same thing over and over again, I think it really says more about you than the Knicks. I think it says more about you than the Knicks. And, and again, tell me who the, 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 the last player the Knicks had – that was at the level of a Donovan Mitchell. 
You know, like if, if you could go from where the Knicks were a couple of years, I know that like the Carmelo Anthony era was a huge disappointment. If you could go from where the Knicks were a couple of years ago to the to the to the uh, to the Carmelo Anthony, hey, we're making the playoffs, we want to play. That's a step up. That's 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 an improvement from where the Knicks have been. Again, they were at the basement. They were in the basement. They were one of the worst teams of the David Fisdale years, the Hornacek years. Do we all forget these? I know it's been a long couple of years the last few years. The Derek Fisher, the, the Phil Jackson regimes. Like, that's what they're digging out of. And if you would have, at the start of year three, a team that is led by Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, still have R.J. Barrett, Still have Randall, as high on that one as the other two. But you see, those four players, I don't know, that seems like a pretty big upgrade. Now, look, they have to improve a whole lot to go from where they were to making sure they make the playoffs. But for all the things that went right in year one, it felt like a whole lot of things went wrong in year two. And if this is the path that you're on, uh, to me, this seems like a very worthwhile pursuit. Very worthwhile pursuit. Uh, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Uh, Dan is on Long Island. Dan, you're next up on ESPN New York. Yay, Gordon. Hey, Dan, what's going Doing on? Doing a great job. Thank you. As far as um, Spike just stated, staying in the lane, I think really what he meant essentially, he doesn't want us to get raped and pillaged in this deal. I think a lot of people would like to see Donovan. I'd like to see him here, even though it would be kind of a smallish backcourt, but It'll be fun. I just don't want to see um, too many. You don't of want the to see Mellow two point Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, I wouldn't mind if um, if we were able to keep because I think Fournier is going to have to go in the deal. I think they were saying either twenty two or twenty four million has to go back the other way. So you got to figure if Fournier is in there, that's ten million, or I don't know how much Derek makes. He'd probably be something similar, but oh, I think he's a little bit more, but. I, you can't then lose Grimes and Fournier. Your outside is going to go down the toilet. You well, know, look, so I, I, like I think the, I think it's a combination of play. I think Fournier would probably be the one because he, the, the salaries have to you know match in that range. Which I'm so fine it seems with. Like I'm, that I'm totally be. fine with that. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, Thank I think you. it's mostly. I think for for Utah, it's mostly about the picks and that they'll take back whatever you know talent that's not really going to impact wins and losses because. They're going full-blown tank. Uh, you know, the next, next year's yeah. draft class is very good. They want to stockpile as many assets as they can to get their next franchise superstar. Um, so I can understand why uh, that's the path. That, that was always the path they were going to follow. You know, like when they decided to move Gobert, uh, the, the, the first thing was, well, we're going to build around Donovan Mitchell. That never made any sense. Not with Danny Ainge running the show. He's not going to do a halfway rebuild. He's going to go full bore. So... Uh, it makes sense for them. So I think mostly for them, the, the the players that they get back, maybe there's a young player in there that they're going to want. But I think mostly for them, it's mostly about the picks. Hopefully. I mean, because they said four of the young players. I don't want to give up all four. And, you know, I think we've got to think of what the break-even point would be. How many How many number ones? They're looking for four or five, I think, minimum. And then yeah, gonna do I, that, look, I, I think it's probably going to be, you know, multiple. The, the most valuable picks, and John, thanks for the, uh, Dan, thanks for the phone call, um, is, is going to be the Knicks picks, right? Because they think that the Knicks, the, the other picks that the Knicks have, have such protections on them. They're really not, they're first-round picks, but they're not as valuable as unprotected picks. And you're hoping that if the Knicks give up three of them, 
um, that one of those is going to look, if you give up three number one picks that are unprotected, any organization, chances are one of those are going to come back to bite you if you give up three. So maybe one of them does come back to bite you. But I think if you're making this move, you're making it with the intention that you're going to be. Look, even last year, right? The Knicks were 37 and 45. What did they have? The 11th pick in the draft? You'd have to think they're going to be at least four or five games better than that with Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell, no? You think they're going to be worse than 37 and 45? You know, they've averaged 40 wins a year here the first two years of tips. You don't think they're going to average more than that moving forward if they get Donovan Mitchell? So what are you talking about? The 15th pick in the draft? I don't know. Um, I I think that's a worst-case scenario. Like, do you think that there's going to be a scenario where the Knicks are lottery-bound with Tibbs here and everybody that they have compiled here? Now, they might not have the highest ceiling, but I don't think that they have the lowest floor. I don't think that they're going to all of a sudden bottom out and win 20 games here the next couple of years. Uh, let's go out to Al is in Brooklyn. Al, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon. How are you? I'm good, Al. Good what's going on? To you. Okay, so the Donovan Mitchell trade, right? Okay, it's yeah, I would like to see Donovan Mitchell as a Nick too, but we cannot trade. We can't mortgage the farm for Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell plays on Utah, on the Utah Jazz. Look how stacked that team is, and where did they go? They went, they went nowhere. All right. Uh, if we trade away all the young players, we won't have any leverage to make to make the team better in the future. We won't have any draft picks. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think we'll probably be capped out as well. We'll have to wait for some money to come off the books, probably Julius Randle's salary. So what are we doing here? We'll be getting we'll be getting knocked out of the second round for four or five years in a row. Knicks fans don't want to see that. I'd rather have the 15th pick in the draft. Getting knocked out in the second round would be a massive upgrade from where the Knicks have been for a very long time. Now, I'm not saying that they don't have to make more improvements beyond that, but you're saying the Jazz did nothing the last couple of years. They averaged 50 wins a year. When was the last time the Knicks were averaging 50 wins? Gordon, I'm 47 years old. I've been a Knicks fan since I've been eight years old. I could care less about making it to the second round of the playoffs. I but don't care about do, that. I know, I but you can't, rather, Al, we can't go from where draft, you are to a championship-level contender here. There's no series of not, moves not that in bringing, one year. But not Donovan Mitchell. When you make that move, it's going to – listen, you're going to stop yourself from being able to improve How? the Why? team. Why? Why will you stop yourself? You'll now have a superstar. You'll have a superstar player. You still have draft picks. They're not giving up every. He's a a three-time All-Star, and he's 25 years old. And he's a top-10 scorer in the league. He's a high-volume shooter. Okay. Okay. He's got a – okay. I, I don't – and the other thing is, so the, everyone who's talking about Donovan so, Mitchell so, – So, I, 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 let me ask you this. Let's cut to the chase. What, what do you want to do? What's the path forward? What I would rather what I would rather do – listen, I'll trade for Donovan Mitchell, but I'm not giving up OB Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, four first-round picks. You have to keep either Grimes or OB Toppin because okay. then – Okay, well, look, I don't Donovan think you're going to give up all the players. I, I would, And well, I would not be in favor of that. I'm not going to give up all the players and all the picks. No, that's fair. If, that, if that's the deal – I would agree with you, but I don't think you're going to give. I think you're going to give up a bunch of players and some picks, or a bunch of picks and a couple of players. But I don't think you're going to give up. This is Danny up. Ainge. This is. I know. Danny I hear you. And look, in past and regimes, they probably Donovan would have Mitchell. already done this. That's deal. the other thing. What's that? He knows that Donovan Mitchell is not the type of player that you start. He's the type of player you bring in when the team is already set. You can't. But then, start then who are we Donovan talking Mitchell. about, Al? Like, who are you ever going to get? I'm, Who are you I'm, I'm ever going to get? I'm patient. It's just not him. <laughs> Look, you're going to be, you're gonna be waiting for the rest of your life. Uh, I, because I, the Knicks are I've in the middle so ground. Already. I'm not, right, the but the Knicks are in the, the middle ground. All right, well, me. look, if you're cool, Al, thanks for the phone call. Good points. I would like going back and forth. 
Um, if you're cool with just like hanging out and winning 40 games a year for the rest of your life, uh, great. And if you would tell me back when uh, this regime came on board, hey, let's go the, the real bad for a couple of years, stockpile, yes, that was the path I wanted to go on that time. They didn't do it. That, that ship has sailed. I can't get back on that ship. I don't have the time machine. But if you're telling me that unless you make moves that you can clearly see that are going to make you a championship contender when before the last couple of years you were averaging 20 wins a season, uh, there, there are no moves. So what you're saying is I'll just wait forever. I'm not going to get top picks because we're going to be, you know, 35 to 38 wins, even as the team is constructed now. So we're going to have the 10th pick every single year, and hopefully at some point we'll hit a draft pick that turns out to be an all-star type player. I get, you know, there's a saying that the the perfect is is the enemy of the good. This is a good, like, if you can get Donovan Mitchell for a reasonable price, this is a good deal to make. This is a good trade to make. Obviously, if you're going to give up everything from now until kingdom come, nobody wants to make that deal. Everybody's in agreement on that. But if you're talking about, yes, yeah, some of the Knicks, dra- the next, the Knicks next two uh, picks that they can trade, right? Opposite, you know, you, know, you can't do it back-to-back years, but um, 22 and 24 and 26 and a couple of the ones that they've acquired along the way and a young player or two for a guy who's 25 is still getting better is a three-time all-star who is a top 10 scorer in the league yeah i think that and you know what you can always add later on the cap is going up they still have pieces to trade if you're able to make this deal without trading barrett or without trading, I, I don't know, what, whatever you have left over, right, quickly or, or whatever pieces, then you will still have other things. To, nobody is saying that this is the finished product. Nobody that's in favor of getting Donovan Mitchell is saying, Knicks are done. Leon Rose, wherever you are, kick your feet up, smoke a cigar, and relax because now everything will take care of itself. Nobody is saying that. But you can't just tell me, hey, you know what? In the middle of next year, when they haven't done anything and they're on the road to irrelevance again and they're not going to be close to the playoffs, they're not going to be close to the play-in, I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that because that's not true. No, Nobody's that patient. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.